from deep inside your audio device of choice. I'm undergoing self-isolation. It's the only way to be. Just for the lack of stimulation. So come self-isolate with me. Sizzler, sweat pouring down your face. Your armpits are a fountain. Your shirt's a wet disgrace. And it's hard to sleep at nighttime. Can't walk the streets by day. Four months in the hot box Just one thing I can say You may see me moving slowly But you won't hear me moan Cause heat is only skin deep Cold is to the bone Winter's clean and brittle Humidity's all gone You can ski and you can snowboard Weather's got it going on But to keep blood circulating You wear 50 pounds of stuff Get your gloves or layers You're a dead man soon enough I can see my breath before me Got to be a rolling stone This heat is only skin deep But cold is to the bone
sunscreen's not a bother And I love those longer days Clean air makes me shiver Give me some muggy haze Oh, winter lasts forever Summer's over in a flash I hear TV talk freezing I got to make a dash Snowbirds all around me So I know I'm not alone Heat is only skin deep Cold is to the bone The bone, cold is to the bone, cold is to the bone. From very hot New Orleans, Louisiana, ladies and gentlemen, not so bad, is it? Well, it may be, I don't know. Not for me. I'm Harry. Sh- me. I'm Harry Shearer. Welcoming you to this edition of the show. And now, news of bad banks. Sounds redundant, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Oh, I'm sure there are good banks on every river. Accused of. Now you know about. Uh, Deutsche Bank, right? It's a bank based in Germany. Yeah, you could have told me that. Which has been, um, I think, the um, generous way of putting it is they've been a little aggressive in trying to uh, become one of the top international banks. They are, for example, I think the last bank on earth to have actually lent money to Donald Trump. Anyway, now they've been accused of turning a blind eye ouch, to suspicious cash withdrawals and legal settlements conducted on behalf of the late sex offender Jeffrey Epstein. Why, Jeffrey Epstein and Donald Trump did business with the same bank. Deutsche Bank reached a $150 million settlement with New York regulators few days ago. Whether or to what extent those payments or that cash was used by Mr. Epstein to cover up old crimes to facilitate new ones or for some other purpose are questions that must be left to the criminal authorities. And they're, just, they're doing such a darn good job. But the fact that they were suspicious should have been obvious to bank personnel at various levels. That's the verbiage of the consent order filed with the New York Department of Financial Services. Quote, the bank's failure to recognize this risk constitutes a major compliance failure. Unquote. They say that like like that's a bad thing. Regulators claim that while Deutsche Bank properly classified Epstein as high risk, check, it failed to adequately scrutinize his accounts for the kinds of activity that were markedly implicated by Epstein's past. You know, with the girls and the thing. Under a 2007 non-prosecution deal with Epstein, 
federal prosecutors, federal prosecutors, although in this case they agreed not to prosecute an underage prostitution case against him, if he pleaded guilty to state charges in Florida, which he did, and then um, and then had that very lenient kind of stay at home but go to the office most of the day house arrest kind of sentence. Uh, the plea deal included a key clause that protected Epstein's assistants, Sarah Kellen, Nadia Marcinkova, and others who allegedly helped bring underage girls to Epstein's Palm Beach mansion for massage sessions. You know, massage sessions. Quote, the bank was well aware not only that Mr. Epstein had pled guilty and served prison time for engaging in sex with a minor, but also that there were public allegations that his conduct was facilitated by several named co-conspirators, the settlement states. Despite this knowledge, the bank did little or nothing to inquire into or block numerous payments to named co-conspirators and to or on behalf of numerous young women. Nothing suspicious. Or to inquire how Mr. Epstein was using, on average, more than $200,000 per year in cash, cash money. Although Deutsche Bank did not designate Epstein a politically exposed person, a PEP, (laughs) he's on the pep squad. It did label him an honorary PEP because of his proximity to the powerful, the document explains. You're Clinton, you're Trump, you're Dershowitz. The settlement marks the first enforcement action by a regulator against a financial institution for dealings with Epstein. Will there be more? Stay t- I, I'd love to say stay tuned. And so I did. News, and now, you know, Deutsche Bank is worth keeping an eye on because, um, as I say, when no American bank would do business with, with Donald Trump following, you know, the first bankruptcy and the third bankruptcy and the 17th bankruptcy. There was Deutsche Bank stepping up. And now. Well, now it's time for me to read the trades for you. This won't take long. From WWD, formerly Women's Wear Daily, trade magazine of the Schmata trade. Ask your Jewish friend. I'm going to read it for you. Whatever it is. Well, we we just missed the timing on this. World Social Media Day has just passed us by. And you can imagine how it was treated on Twitter. But now we learn through WWD, Kiana Smith Brunto has teamed with a cadre of social media influencers. Yes, they they form a cadre. I thought it was a covey, but it's a cadre to create the American Influencer Council. Haven't you said to yourself, where's an American Influencer Council in my life? Well, the answer is, now it's here. The Nonprofit Membership Trade Association made its debut on World Social Media Day. You can't fool these kids.
They got it all going on. Christy Lim, sorry, Chriselle Lim, Danielle Bernstein, and Kat Erlin are among the founding members of the American Influencer Council. Their game plan, they have a game plan, thank you for asking, has five key points. Consumer transparency, standardization and professional ethics, data science and influencer economy, learning and development, and public goodwill. I like those transparent consumers. You can see right through them. The group's creation comes at a time when some, some, are predicting the demise of influencers and the rise of micro-influencers. Maybe those are micro-some. Just, just thinking. But, no, but I should be reading. Before the pandemic struck, brands were expected to spend $15 billion on influencer marketing by a couple years from now, according to Business Insider Intelligence Estimates, based on Media Kicks data. I get all my data from Media Kicks. I mean, I trust it, but I enjoy it. Consumer transparency efforts will involve lobbying the Federal Trade Commission to adhere to, promote, and improve the endorsement guides. There are also plans to create market-relevant operating standards to support innovation and ethical conduct. Supporters will also be trying to enhance the co-branded content experience on all social media platforms. Like my Twitter account. Brought to you by Mercedes. In my dreams. In terms of data science and the influencer economy, the council will foster and analyze research on the digital economy, because nobody's doing that. As well as career influencers' contributions to the gross domestic product. Yes, people are doing this as a career. There will also be efforts to further digital marketing learning at the university level. Dudes, they're closed. And to offer mentoring support for the next generation of influencers. Yes, I'm enjoying it. Lastly, the group plans to create an innovation lab, public service announcements, and to host events to promote the influencer trade. Do I smell galas? Or at least bounty? The AIC aims to have influencers recognized by the business world. Because they know what's what. The council represents creatives from all backgrounds and content verticals. Fifteen members will be recruited this year. Applications are not available. Smith Brunto is the founder and Lim is chairwoman of the By Invitation nonprofit. The American Influencer Council has three types of members. 
career influencers, organizations, and professional advisors. Those were the three you thought, right? You're good at this. Some more galas in our future. And by our, I don't mean any of us. Just one conclusion I reach, having read the trades for you. Copyrighted feature of this broadcast. now news of the godly, a Russian Orthodox Church court has expelled a coronavirus-denying cleric from the priesthood after he seized control of a convent. That's a lead. That is a lead sentence if ever I've heard one. It's got, a, it's got everything. Father Sergli, whose actual name is Nikolai Romanov, you've heard of that family, he took over Srednerolsk convent near Yekaterinburg in the Urals sorry, on June 16th. He posted armed guards there. I'm guarding the nuns. Father Sergli has condemned the closure of churches in the, coronas, the coronavirus breakdown. That's, I guess, the bone he has to pick. With the gals, sorry, the nuns. The church court found he had broken monastic rules. Father Sergli has condemned, as I say, the, the uh, closure of churches. He called the COVID-19 crisis a pseudo-pandemic and cursed those who ordered the church services be stopped on health grounds or on church grounds. There have been complaints of child abuse at the convent under his leadership. Imagine that. And the church court called for a thorough investigation of the allegations by Russian authorities. The church is also carrying out its own investigation, and those are good. BBC Russian has interviewed several witnesses who stayed at the convent between 2009 and this year who described physical and psychological violence towards children as routine there. The former residents said children were slapped or beaten for minor misdemeanors. Punishment was meted out, for example, if a girl took off her headscarf while hauling a sack of potatoes early in the morning, or if a child ran through the woods into town to get some chocolate. You can't have that. Really, God, God, God frowns on that. I don't know if it's the running part or the chocolate part. But I don't have a Bible in the studio. The former residents, oh, that was... What I just said. Some of the nuns considered administering beatings to be as routine as tending the horses or working in the refectory, they alleged. The refectory is not the best place in the world to work. Let me. No, I have no idea. Father Sergli has stated the church authorities will have to storm the monastery if they want him to leave. Controversial cleric was barred from preaching in April. He refused to attend the court sessions. So. If you ask him, he's not guilty. So don't ask him. He's not a general. He commands no troops. He's not an inspector. He peaks at no 
The head of NOAA, which uh, in this country is the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, felt that his job and the jobs of others would be in jeopardy. Why? If he and his agency did not rebuke the forecasters who contradicted President <laughs> pardon me, President Trump's inaccurate claim last year about the path of Hurricane Dorian. That's according to the Inspector General of the uh, department. And I'll tell you the name of the department moments from now. The Inspector General's report examined the aftermath of Trump's insistence that Hurricane Dorian was headed towards Alabama. National Weather Service forecasters in Alabama contradicted that because it wasn't being predicted by any of their data. It found a, polit a politicized process, did the Inspector General's report, that investigators described as having significant flaws in which late-night demands from White House led to urgent intercontinental telephone calls. Remember when they used to cost money? Text messages and emails that culminated in a controversial NOAA statement criticizing the forecasters. St a lot of stuff happens late at night, like... Uh, curtailing the sentence for Roger Stone. That's a late-night thing. He must not like the daylight. The Inspector General, Peggy Gustafson, placed blame largely with top aides to Secretary of Commerce Wilbur Ross. Yes, he's still around. Didn't say he was awake, but he's around. His agency oversees NOAA, so that would be the department in which the Inspector General is located for now, and uh, those top aides to Ross were tasked with coordinating the unsigned statement suggesting that the president was right and that the Alabama forecasters had acted improperly by suggesting otherwise. Because what do forecasters know? Forecasts. That's it. The name tells you. She called the statement in question, quote, contrary to the apolitical mission, unquote, of the science agency, and described it as, quote, the end result of events triggered by an external demand placed on Secretary Ross, specifically a request from the White House to in Secretary Ross's words, close the gap between President Trump's statement and the National Weather Service Birmingham, Birmingham tweet. Sorry, I went British on you for a moment there. She, the Inspector General, did not find credible evidence that top Commerce Department officials explicitly threatened to fire Neil Jacobs, then the acting administrator of NOAA. But Dr. Jacobs told investigators that he, quote, definitely felt like our jobs were on the line if he refused to counter his own weather forecasters. At a minimum, miscommunication or a lack of clarity surrounded the key issues of whether anyone's job was at risk, according to the Inspector General's report. News of Inspectors General, ladies and gentlemen. It's a copyrighted feature of this here broadcast. Bumblebees and many other species have been declining, you know, over recent decades, finding the driver of these declines. Oh, no, no, sorry. I want bees on you. I want bees on you, honey. We still have another Inspector General report here. The majority of public school districts in the U.S. are focusing their budgets on security to prevent shootings instead of wildly, widely needed building repairs. That's according to the 
Government Accountability Office, an independent federal agency that monitors how tax dollars are spent. Uh, Its report said the school district's highest priorities for their facilities were improving security, expanding technology, and addressing health hazards. Well, the latter's not a bad idea. A roof roof leak in a Rhode Island school gym and a bin underneath used to catch the water were some of the things it found as it uh, reported on the problems with uh, upkeep. The report was based on a survey of hundreds of districts, and it shows that about half the school districts in the United States need to update or replace multiple systems, like your heating, your ventilation, your air conditioning, or your plumbing. Over one-third of schools need HVAC system upgrades, which could result in air quality or mold problems if not addressed, according to the watchdog. One quarter of the districts reported a need to repair or replace lighting fixtures in at least half their schools. Where, where's my book? Oh, a similar number of districts need repairs to roofing, security, plumbing, or windows in most of their schools. The report shows images of crumbling schools around the country, including some that hold standing water, are full of asbestos, or required bottled drinking water. That reminds me. Now, that's news of inspectors general. And now we get to the bees. It was the water that did it. Bumblebees and many other species, as you know, have been declining. Finding the cause of these declines is especially important for a group of pollinators that performs irreplaceable ecosystem and agricultural services. Uh, Three researchers report in The Conversation They found strong evidence that climate change has played a role in the declines of bumblebees across North America and Europe. And now they found a mechanism that links climate change to these declines, climate chaos. As the progressive rise in temperatures observed over decades, that's uh, climate change, following the growth in atmospheric carbon concentrations, mostly due to human activities, Gradual temperature changes can pose deadly threats, but the frequency and intensity of extreme weather events seems to be rising sharply as the greenhouse effect grows. Heat waves are longer and hotter, they say, although cold is to the bone. Wildlife can tolerate some degree of warming, either by finding ways to move away from risky weather or evolutionary adaptation. It's much more difficult to tolerate increasingly chaotic extremes in weather or species, such as prolonged drought, heat waves, or tropical storms. For bumblebee species, the scientists predict local extinction and colonization of new areas by estimating whether recent climate change had subjected species to temperatures beyond any they're known to have tolerated in the past. They found that species have disappeared in places where temperatures spiked above what they could tolerate, species across North America and Europe constantly being pushed to the edges of these limits during the year much more often than they ever were for most of the 20th century. Increasing intensity of land use, including increased pesticide use, also harms bees, but these effects are distinct from the effects of climate chaos, which brings up, I believe it brings up news of the warm. It does indeed. That was easy to spot. It's easy for me to say. Some-
It's all easy. Sorry, Glenn. It's easy to talk over Glenn. It's really the point of the exercise. Scientists at Stanford have discovered a surprising shift in the Arctic Ocean. Exploding blooms of phytoplankton. Those are the tiny algae at the base of the food web that is topped by whales and polar bears as a result of a recent election. The blooms of phytoplankton have drastically altered the Arctic's ability to transform atmospheric carbon into living matter. Over the past decade, the surge has replaced sea ice loss as the biggest driver of changes in uptake of carbon dioxide by phytoplankton. Research appears in Science. That's the magazine. The lead, sci- lead investigator, lead author, said the growing influence of phytoplankton, biomass, may represent a significant regime shift for the Arctic. That's what John Bolton wants, isn't it? Regime change for the Arctic? Oh, no, for Iran. A region that is warming faster than anywhere else on Earth. That would be the Arctic, not Iran. The study centers on night net primary production, a measure of how quickly plants and algae convert sunlight and carbon dioxide into sugars that other creatures can eat. The rates are really important in terms of how much food there is for the rest of the ecosystem, said the lead author. It's also important because this is one of the main ways CO2 is pulled out of the atmosphere and into the ocean. They found that this uh, measure, net primary production, in the Arctic increased 57% between 1998 and two years ago, an unprecedented jump in productivity for the entire ocean basin. More surprising is that while NPP increases were initially linked to retreating sea ice, productivity continued to climb even after melting slowed down around 2009. I didn't even know that it slowed down. i got to listen to my show. The increases in NPP over the past decade is due almost exclusively to a recent increase in phytoplankton biomass. More phytoplankton were able to grow each year in a given volume of water, says a co-author. Phytoplankton require light and nutrients to grow. Who doesn't? So uh, I, for one, am uh, happy. uh, Well, there's a conclusion. There are going to be winners and losers. A more productive Arctic means more food for lots of animals, but many animals that have adapted to live in a polar environment are finding life more difficult as the ice retreats. The Arctic is simply too small to take much of a bite out of the world's greenhouse gas emissions. It's taking in a lot more carbon than it used to, but it's not something we're going to be able to rely on to help us out of our climate problem. So, It's, it's like the other regime changes. They just don't work. Social and cultural changes are occurring as a result of environmental damage, according to the same publication, but a different research uh, study. The climate crisis is linked to a marriage crisis in a place where over a billion of the world's population still have arranged marriages. The vast majority, for example, of Indian, as in India, farmers are male and earn low to medium wage incomes. They typically have between one to five acres of farming land. In India, as you may know, many, if not most, marriages are arranged. And because of the increasing uncertainty of farmers' incomes due to the climate change, most parents no longer want farmers as their son-in-law. Employees who have a stable monthly income are preferred, particularly those with government jobs, which are perceived as stable and secure. This means many young farmers are becoming middle-aged bachelors, 
a farmer from South India, Srinivas, in his early 40s, still unmarried, has not found a bride despite offering a financial incentive. This is a kind of reverse dowry. Farmers are becoming ever less attractive grooms. The authors of the study estimate that just over half of the state of Andhra Pradesh's farmers are facing some level of barrier to marriage. They say the long-term consequences of this on a personal level, well-being and happiness, I guess they're not married, are being negatively impacted, but on a wider level, the population of farming communities will be reduced, will lead to a reduction in farming capacity. Traditional agricultural experience and farming knowledge will be lost. Many cultural practices will be affected as well as a little thing called global food production. And finally, in News of the Warm, pink ice. Won't you? Scientists in Italy are investigating the mysterious appearance of pink glacial ice in the Alps, caused by algae, again, that accelerate the effects of climate change. There's debate about where the algae comes from, according to Arnold But um, one of the researchers said the pink snow observed on parts of a glacier is likely caused by the same plant found in Greenland. It's a natural phenomenon that occurs during the spring and summer periods in the middle latitudes, but also at the poles, she says. The plant is present in Greenland's so-called dark zone, where the ice is also melting. Normally, as you know, ice reflects more than 80% of sun's radiation back, but as algae appear, they darken the ice so it absorbs the heat and keeps the cycle going as it melts ever more quickly. New, that was news of the warm. That really was. It, it's, it was so copyrighted. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we got this, this virus thing going on, despite what the uh, Russian priest says. And uh, this was a, a remarkable week for a number of reasons. For one, <laughs> President Trump wore a mask, a face mask for the first time in public. And I have to say, he's been right all along. It makes him look weak. You know, almost feminine. Um, but there was, uh, you know, much more in terms of ugly numbers. Not the pretty ones, the you know the really ugly ones with the with the sharp angles, uh, as more and more states report record numbers of cases and hospitalizations, and now deaths are rising again in the uh, in the big in the big picture. And we, well, you know, again credit to President <laughs> Trump, he promised to make us number one again, and we are in coronavirus. But, you know, he didn't say in what, to be fair. Now, we're number one. Who's number two? I can tell you Russia. 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 Not China. Russia is number two, uh, number three. So, you know, next time Trump and Putin get together, we know what they're going to be talking about. The thing that isn't a thing. And number two in the world in coronavirus is Brazil. I don't know if you know much about João Bolsonaro. I don't know how to pronounce his name, clearly. But he's the president of Brazil. He is a populist in the Trump mold. I know. We thought when they made him, they threw the mold away. Uh Uh-uh. Bolsonaro is is very much in that uh, tradition. Uh, He has pushed for clearing 
the Amazon rainforest, you know, to, uh, cause business, business got to go there. Um, and, but, but more on this topic, he has been consistently underplaying the virus and the disease that it causes called it just a little flu. And, uh, again, like his mentor disdained mask wearing in public. And this week it was announced he's tested positive for coronavirus and he's, um, isolating at home and he is self-medicating like his mentor with a, um, a medication which is used for malaria for years. This week, supporters of both presidents have been touting a report from a, uh, a research outfit in Detroit. I'm not insulting them by calling them an outfit, uh, which reported in an observational study that this medication seemed to have some positive effects in reducing the death rate. And other scientists quickly jumped on that report saying, It was an observational report, meaning it did not control for other things. And one of the other things it didn't control for is that the patients who experienced lower death rates were also at the same time being given a steroid. And there was no way to separate the effects of the two medications, the steroid and this other one. And it was not a, so there was no, and there was no control group. And you know the deal. And so, as I say, like his mentor, the president of Brazil is now taking hydroxychloroquine. This hotel isn't so grand 
realizing the Amazon A big part of my plan That was all of my plan So I
From New Orleans, this is Le Show. We're still looking for that breeze, and now, the apologies of the week. We're so sorry. Keeneland. It's a racetrack in Kentucky. In Kentucky, I should say. And um, it responded to racist comments made through social media by a, a consigner, a guy who sells horses there, Tom Van Meter, by banning him from the premises and excluding his participation in both racing and sales. Keeneland further reviews circumstances related to the recent reprehensible comments he made on social media, said a statement from the company. In a Facebook post, Van Meter responded to a uh, post from a thoroughbred farm president saying, repost if you're still boycotting the NFL. Van Meter responded, defund the N blank 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 football league. Contrary to what the comments might suggest, Van Meter responded after he was besieged by criticism from other members of the sorry, sorry, sorry. racing community, Van Meter issued an apology, stating his comment was unjustifiable. I am disgusted by my actions, but I enjoy being dis No, he didn't say that. Contrary to what these comments might suggest, in no way do those responses re represent my true feelings toward my friends and community members of color. Moving forward, I am committed to listening and learning as to how I can be a better ally and advocate in my community and within the racing industry as to how we can better foster inclusivity for all. In the meantime, as a gesture of goodwill, I have made a donation to the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. I can and will do better, he concludes. I think we'll hear that verbiage a lot. As time goes on, London's Metropolitan Police said this week they apologized to a British sprinter over a stop-and-search incident and pledged to review their handcuffing procedures. Metropolitan Police Commissioner Cressida Dick, I said Cressida Dick, said the force was sorry for the distress this stop clearly caused to Bianca Williams and her family. She said she believes police targeted her and her family because they're black and were in a Mercedes. Part of her encounter with the officers was captured on video and went viral. She won a gold medal for Britain in the 2018 Commonwealth Games 
They were driving in West London with she and her partner with their three-month-old son when they were pulled over by Scotland Yard officials. Racist police aren't just in America, said Olympic gold medalist Linford Christie, who posted some of the video from the uh, incident. She uh, protests that her son is in the car. Officers tell her to calm down. One officer appears to be trying to pull her from the car. The couple were handcuffed and detained for 45 minutes. Cressida Dick said, we can empathize with somebody who stopped in a vehicle who has a young child in the back who does not probably know what exactly is going on and is subsequently found together with her partner not to be carrying any illicit goods, unquote. No misconduct was apparent from the camera footage. The force, the police force, is referring itself to the independent office for police conduct. She said the force would review handcuffing practices to ensure that it hasn't become in any way a default in certain situations because it shouldn't. When asked if race was the reason they were pulled over, Williams said 100%. Official statistics show black people in Britain are almost as 10 times as likely to be as white people to be stopped and searched by the police. Following a week-long hiatus from social media, Addison Ray Easterling resurfaced this week to apologize for reposting a video in support of All Lives Matter four years ago. In the video, a woman called Black Lives Matter a cult that does more harm than good. I owe all of you an apology, the 19-year-old's open letter on Twitter began. Four years ago, I reposted a video which included a woman sharing her thoughts on Black Lives Matter and All Lives Matter that I should not have. I see my mistakes and am committed to learning from them. Easterling added, I will never stop growing, learning, and fighting for those whose voices rightfully need to be amplified. I am truly sorry and am committed to using the platform you all have given me to work on becoming a better ally. Which still leaves us with the question, who? Just four days after fast fashion brand Shine, S-H-E-I-N, See what they did there? Was called out on Twitter for selling Muslim prayer mats as home decor with descriptions like fringe trim Greek fret carpet and flower print tassie trim carpet. Another offensive item sold on the brand's website went viral. A swastika necklace. Isn't that cute? cute? See how the light just kind of burns right off it? Like the mats, the necklace described on the site as a metal swastika pendant necklace sold for $2.50. Swastikas aren't worth what they used to be. It's been removed not before fashion influencer, I wonder if she's on the council, Maria Casey Grossman captured a screenshot. Grossman is known as fashion ambitionist. There's your innovation. Shared the screenshot with her 165,000 Instagram followers. I will never be buying from Shine ever again. This is absolutely disgusting, and these are capital letters. Twitter users are equally outraged. The uh, company representative from the brand says Shine was not selling a Nazi swastika pendant. The necklace is a Buddhist swastika, which has symbolized spirituality and good fortune for more than a thousand years. The Nazi swastika has a different design. It is pointed clockwise and tilted at an angle. However, because we understand the two symbols can be confused and one is highly offensive, we have moved removed the product 
removed and removed the product from our site. As a multicultural and global brand, we want to apologize profusely to those who are offended. We are sensitive to these issues and want to be very clear that we in no way support or condone racial, cultural, and religious prejudice or hostility. According to the BBC in Sanskrit, the word swastika means well-being. And the word shine is not in Sanskrit. Thank you, BBC, for... The Cleveland Indians are in the middle of trying to change their name. I'm suggesting the Cleveland Hellos. But in the meantime, a free-swinging slugger on the Indians, outfielder, Fran Mil Reis, apologized this week for endangering his health and putting his teammates at risk by not wearing a mask while attending a holiday party last weekend. They kept him away from their training camp in case he'd been exposed to the coronavirus. A Republican county chairman in Kansas has apologized for posting a cartoon on his newspaper's Facebook page. Yes, a Republican county chairman owns a newspaper. That cartoon invoked the Holocaust to criticize the governor of Kansas, whose order required the state residents to wear masks. The cartoon was removed, showed the state Democratic governor, Laura Kelly, wearing a mask emblazoned with the Star of David against a backdrop of people being loaded onto a cattle car. He called her Lockdown Laura. Dane Hicks is the chairman of the Republican Party in Anderson County. Political editorial cartoons are gross over-characterized caricatures designed to generate debate and response. That's why newspapers publish them. Fodder for the marketplace of ideas, he wrote. The topic here is the governmental overreach. He scoffed at the idea of an apology. Apologies to whom exactly? The critics on the Facebook page? Facebook is a cesspool. In a Facebook post, however, a few days later, he said he'd removed the cartoon and offered an apology. After some heartfelt and educational conversations with Jewish leaders in the U.S. and abroad, I can acknowledge the imagery in my recent cartoon was deeply hurtful to members of a culture who've been dealt plenty of hurt throughout history, people to whom I never desired to be hurtful in the illustration of my point. Unquote. One more. Just one more. And I know Cape Girardeau, Missouri is the one. A hot mic moment before the Cape Girardeau planning and zoning meeting will lead to a public apology and anti-bias and diversity training for city employees. Uh, two members of the commission were heard on a hot mic on a live stream talking about the Black Lives Matter movement, calling it a Marxist organization, and saying its supporters want to get rid of the Constitution. The mayor said it was an unfortunate occurrence, Cape Girardeau. Home of Rush Limbaugh. These nutty things happen. The apologies of the week, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast.
for those of you, ladies and gentlemen, who are wondering what happens to the Olympic truce, yes, they have one. They declare one every four years for the Olympic Games. The Tokyo Organizing Committee, no, announced, yes, that the General Assembly of the UN yesterday approved a new Olympic truce for the new Olympics in 2021. So people can continue fighting this year. It's okay. I mean, they bought the ammunition. I'm going to call a halt to this edition of the show. It comes roaring back next week at the same time over these same radio stations and on your audio device of choice whenever the hell you want it. And it'll be just like having an Olympic truce all year long. If you'd agree to join me then, would you? Alrighty, thank you very much. Uh huh. A tip of the show chapeau to the San Diego desk, to Pam Halstead, and to Thomas Walsh here at WWNO New Orleans for their help with today's broadcast. The email address for this program, the chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts, and the playlist of the music heard here, all at harryshearer.com. And I'm on Twitter at the Harry Shearer. comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans, flagship station of the Change is Easy Radio Network. So long from New Orleans.